0: Everybody, welcome to episode 62 of the Two QB Experience. I'm your host. My name is Greg Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. You can find all my work over at Two QBs.com. That's T W O Q B S.com. And a little bit of a different episode this time around. I tried this a few weeks back. We're doing it again. It's the solo show. You're just hanging out with me tonight. But I got some input. I got some questions from listeners. Uh, a lot of you sent these in on Twitter today, and so we're gonna run through those kind of as we go through the show is normal. I just wanted to open it up to more listener questions because we don't do that as often these days and here we go. Let's just dive in with a couple right off the bat. The first is from John Matthew Upton at Jabufu perhaps on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter handles are always so weird man. He wants to know who are the best stashes at quarterback for the rest of the season. and Guys who are going to be relevant for next year. Uh, he currently has Colin Kaepernick, Paxton Lynch, and Bryce Petty with room to add one more. And that's a tough question. I mean, I have a feeling if these sorts of players are rostered, other guys are similarly going to be rostered, but I think you could dig a little bit deeper with some of the rookies who were drafted this year, maybe Josh Dobbs or Davis Webb. Uh, Dobbs is backing up Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Webb is backing up Eli Manning in New York. And both of those aging QBs could retire any year now, and that would potentially thrust those rookies into more playing time. Uh, Just in general, if you want to kind of dive into deeper QB plays the backups who you might want to learn a little bit more about we do have a set of backup QB rankings uh, by Sal Stefanili uh, of 2QBs.com so just go to the site uh, up at the top of the screen you'll see a menu you click on rankings and, and drop down from there to the backup quarterback rankings he's got all the relevant backups kind of listed there uh, looking forward to next year is a little different than how these rankings apply to this season but uh, the the insight is still there other guys to throw out there, just real quick: AJ McCarron, if only because we've seen and heard stories that you know the Browns are trying to trade for him. He's just a, a backup that people are intrigued by. I worry that he might just be the next Mike Glennon, you know, the guy who everyone thinks is good based upon a very small and limited sample size. But you know, maybe when he gets a full time gig, he won't look quite as good. Like there, there's a reason he's not starting over Randy Dalton, and we know that Andy Dalton, while he's fine, he's a you know a starting caliber NFL quarterback. Dalton is not the type of guy who would hold off a really good quarterback prospect. So I don't think McCarron's any great shakes, but he could have value if he gets traded or if you know Dalton gets hurt or something like that. Uh, the last guy I'll throw out is Nathan Peterman. Uh, we've seen that the Buffalo Bills have been unwilling to commit to Tyrod Taylor long-term, and we're seeing Taylor fall behind a little bit over the past couple weeks. He hasn't played especially well. Peterman actually got some run in Week 10, so he's a guy to keep an eye on. Let's get to our next question. This one comes from lakergreat one uh, He has a keeper question, and he sent a screenshot of his entire roster, which is helpful. He's in a 2QB keeper league where you only keep four guys, and only one of the keepers can be a quarterback. He has standard scoring, and he's wondering if he needs to trade another top 12-ish, or trade for another top 12-ish wide receiver, and he's wondering if he can keep up with uh, McCown and Case Keenum behind Drew Brees as his QB, two, So let's look at his roster here. And he has a pretty good one, to be honest. He's got Alvin Kamara, LaShawn McCoy, Dion Lewis, James White, Kareem Hunt at running back. And Hunt's going to be coming off a bye. I think at running back, you're fine. I mean, with Huntin and McCoy as your primary guys, Kamara is one of your flexes, and then whichever New England running back you want as your other flex, that seems really good. Uh, At wide receiver... He's got Ted Ginn, you know, Boomer bust, Jordy Nelson, who is probably just going to be bust now that Brett Hundley is under center, uh, and then he has Mike Evans uh, and Chris Hogan on the bench. So I don't necessarily think you need to go out and get another wide receiver. Assuming that Mike Evans comes back from this suspension and is on his best behavior, like I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be, and assuming that Chris Hogan can come back relatively soon, and that's the big question here. Uh, even if he can't come back right away, I think you'd be fine subbing in Mike Evans for Jordy Nelson at your wide receiver spot and maybe just kind of playing the waiver wire play and matchups between Nelson and Ginn with your second wide receiver spot because your running backs are going to take up those flexes in standard scoring anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think you necessarily need to trade for another wide receiver, especially because it is standard, but I mean, it wouldn't necessarily hurt. And you have the running back pieces to move if you wanted to. Like, if you wanted to try to shop Alvin Kamara based upon his recent stretch of greatness, that's fine. Like I don't know if he's going to keep up the same sort of touchdown production that we've seen from him, especially with Mark Ingram as kind of the solidified goal line back there in New Orleans, but I'd be hesitant to trade him if only because he has been so good within the context of that offense. I would stand pat with this roster. I think maybe work the wire to pick up, you know, like I said, some wide receivers with good matchups here and there. I think you're set to go. There's no driving need to get another wide receiver like if anything i look at this roster and say i might want to try to improve that qb2 spot behind drew Brees. like is he mostly because drew Brees hasn't been the same guy this year as he has been in years past our next question to kick things off comes from blair park he asks with so many bye weeks and the deadline passed which qbs should i target kellen clemens blaine Gabbard, anybody else nobody left on the waiver wire uh, that is a tough situation man and that is you know, one of the, the punishments of playing in two-quarterback, you're going to have these rosters and, and certain weeks where your quarterbacks are just going to be real ugly. I think Gabbert is kind of a no-brainer guy to go after right now because Stanton is dinged up. Uh, we're going to get some more news on Week 10 soon, but that's one of the, the key developments for two QB leagues is that Gabbert might be starting next week. Kellen Clemens, I'm less interested in. He only has probably one week of viability after Phillip Rivers you know, gets done with his concussion protocol. And even still, Rivers might be able to play in Week 11. So Clemens isn't a guy I'm, I'm really high on. Uh, again, I'm going to plug that backup quarterback index from Sal over at the site. So uh, check that out. I think that you know Derek Anderson's a good one, uh, if only because Cam Newton is always questionable. Uh, Cody Kessler in Cleveland because you know Deshaun Kaiser has been so up and down. Uh, I Mentioned McCarron earlier as a guy for stashing. He might be a guy as, as a potential backup. And then you could look at the QBs who are behind bad guys, players who are not very good. Uh, Matt Moore behind Jay Cutler. We, we've we already seen that blow up in our face once, but you never know. Cutler's pretty fragile, and, and he's prone to making mistakes himself. Uh, Ryan Mallett playing behind Joe Flacco's another potential guy. And i got to give a quick shout-out to the immortal Scott Tolzin, uh, if only because Jacoby Brissett is you know dinged up as well. He's also in the concussion protocol, so you might get a week of usability out of Tolson. I just, I don't know, that's not a play I want to make. But yeah, good luck, man. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. Uh, hopefully you find some guys who you can get some use out of, but uh, until then, maybe your, your starters will get it done. All right, so as I said, we're going to get to more Twitter questions as we go through the standard show agenda, and we're going to kick that off as we normally do with the Week 10 recap. Uh, biggest developments for two quarterback leagues, specifically at the quarterback position. I mentioned Jacoby Brissett getting concussed. Tolzin being the only other QB on their roster at the moment, so he's a guy who might get some run here in Week 11. I'm not really interested. I would like to think that most of my two quarterback rosters have a plan in place that's better than Scott Tolzin, but you know what? I have plenty of rosters where Brissett is one of my pretty frequent starters, and so on those rosters, I'm going to be watching the situation closely. I don't know. If I have you know usable backups, I'm not necessarily going to run out to add Scott Tolzin. I might put in a low... Priority claim for him just as a more as to block my opponents from getting him. Uh, But you know, Brissett should be back under center if not week 11 and week 12. And I'm pretty confident that he'll be fine moving forward. So, again, Scott tolson not a guy I'm interested in. Over in Houston, still in the same division there. Tom Savage committed four turnovers in week 10, but he's still slated to start in week 11 against Arizona. This feels just like a situation similar to Trevor Semyon in Denver, uh, a place where I feel like Savage is the least of all potential evils at quarterback for Houston, just like I think Semyon is probably the best quarterback for Denver. It just so happens that these two guys, while they are the best possible options for their teams, they're not very good anyway. Uh, So Savage is a guy who you can run out there if you have to, kind of a desperation QB play, but I'm not excited to use him in any capacity. In San Francisco, we got C.J. Bathard maintaining his value in two quarterback formats. He took the Niners for their first win of the season. Will Kyle Shanahan really bench him at that point, you know, like heading into uh, their next game for Jimmy Garoppolo? I I don't know, man. I have a feeling Bathard gets one more start, if only as a reward for that win. He has played better as the season's gone on, and from a fantasy perspective, he's been fine. He has been very startable. If we go just by points per game, C.J. Bathard is the QB 13 on the season with 16.13 points per game. He hasn't finished outside the top 18 in any given week here, and he's coming off a QB 3 performance. Now, he's not going to be a top 5 quarterback most weeks, but that rushing floor that he provides is going to make him a fine starter for as long as he's under center there in San Francisco and that's a testament to Kyle Shanahan, man. We had a, a nice breakdown of Kyle Shanahan and that Niners offense and how it relates to Jimmy Garoppolo done by uh, Derek Klassen on two QBs a little while back. If you missed that, you should go check it out. It's a, It lays out a lot of you know really interesting and useful information about how the Niners offense operates and how it puts its receivers and its quarterbacks in positions to succeed. So if Beathard remains the starter there, he's a the guy I'm interested in. Of course, if Jimmy Garoppolo becomes the starter. I want him too. I it's it's gonna be kind of terrible to have to, you know, only be able to roster one of these guys and and watch the other guy get the fantasy starts, probably for some other team in your league, uh if you chose if you choose wrong, but that's how it goes. If you got these guys, you're gonna start them. If you don't have them, I mean, tough luck. In a similar situation with Minnesota, the Vikings just keep winning with Case Keenum and Keenum looked really good for the majority of that game. Down the stretch, though, against Washington in Week 10, he threw a couple bad interceptions and and just had some more Case Keenum-like moments. Uh, So the question has to be asked, when is Teddy Bridgewater going to get a shot now that he's fully healthy and ready to kind of take over, you know, that job that was supposed to be his a year ago? We're actually hearing reports from Jason LaCanfora that Keenum is going to start Week 11, but we've also heard Mike Zimmer say that Bridgewater is going to play at some point. I'm starting to worry as a Bridgewater owner that that won't happen until the Vikings lock up their playoff seating later in the year. I don't know, I just don't know if you can bank on that. And we're going to have some more questions about Bridgewater coming up, so, so we'll save that for later. Uh, last bit of news, quarterback-related, is that Philip Rivers is in the concussion protocol, as I mentioned earlier. Kellen Clemens set to step in if Rivers can't play. I don't want any part of Kellen Clements if I can help it. Kind of similar to what we were talking about with Scott Tolson and Jacoby Brissett before. Outside of the quarterback position, a lot of running back news to get to and a couple other players here. We'll start with Devonta Freeman getting hurt. Second concussion of the year, Tevin Coleman set to be featured in Week 11 if Freeman can't go. So if you're a Coleman owner, all systems go, man. He's he's getting in your lineup as a a dedicated starter. And he's been good this year. Uh, Freeman has you know looked a little shaky over the past few weeks even before this concussion so uh, i i worry if i'm a freeman owner that coleman might take this job and run with it to some extent other running back news injury deja vu in green bay aaron jones Ty montgomery both got hurt in week 10 jamal williams is now potentially the lead back once again uh, he was the lead back for about five minutes in in a game previously where both he and Ty Montgomery got hurt and Aaron Jones took over. So this situation is going to continue to be fluid. Uh, there's reports saying that Ty Montgomery has a chance, quote-unquote, to play this coming week, but I wouldn't bank on it. And if he does, it'll be in a limited capacity. I think Jamal Williams is the guy for this week. I don't know if I care a ton with Brett Hundley under center, uh, especially because... The Packers are taking on the Baltimore Ravens, who have the or had the second best defense by DVOA entering Week Ten. That's and they're coming off bye too, so uh, I I don't know if I am really excited about starting a running back with a rookie quarterback or not a rookie quarterback, but a backup quarterback uh, against the Ravens. That's just not something I am super interested in. Uh, The last bit of running back news: Rob Kelly high ankle sprain and an MCL sprain. Uh, Samaje Perine in relief didn't look terrible for once, so there is that. Uh, the offensive line for Washington getting back to full strength was definitely a big help for those running backs. It still feels like Chris Thompson is the only trustable guy to play from that backfield, but Piran could become the hammer at the goal line. I just don't know if I see it, because every time they get down there, Washington seems to prefer to spread things out, you know, use more receivers, and if anything, use Kirk Cousins as the goal line back, uh, with everybody else preoccupied thinking about where he's going to pass it. Um, so yeah, P. Ryan could be okay going forward. I, I still think it's going to be the Thompson and Cousins show there. Uh, other positions, wide receiver Will Fuller has some broken ribs. Uh, Bruce Ellington filled in well for him, scored a touchdown in relief. Tying your fantasy receivers to Tom Savage is pretty dangerous though. I do think that secondary options like Ellington and CJ Fedorowicz can have PPR value in the right matchups. If opponents are keying in on DeAndre Hopkins, that you know forces Savage to look to other targets, and especially if those targets are you know little dink and dunk, cheap throws, you know easy throws, those guys can rack up PPR points. But the ceiling is ultimately capped by the fact that Savage is under center. I'm not really interested in those guys unless I'm you know pretty desperate for a player. Uh, but you know deep deep leagues need to look at those types of guys. At tight end, Garrick Selleck led all 49er receivers in targets, uh, tiled with Kyle Uscheck of all players, uh, six targets each, and Selleck was automatically awarded a touchdown because he was playing against the New York Giants, and they have given up a tight, a tight end touchdown in every game. Uh, and you, know, you can probably expect that to continue uh, going forward, uh, especially with Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs coming to town next week. And so that does it for the general news here. Let's dive into our awards for Week 10. We're going to start with the quarterback boom of the week, and this is the guy who outperformed my expectations most. A lot of good options here, if only because there were a lot of really bad QB performances from guys that we would have expected to be okay. I mentioned C.J. Bethard uh, against the Giants. He was the QB 3, over 25 fantasy points. He's definitely in consideration, but that was a good matchup. Um, I actually pointed that out in... My Flow Robotics article last week, A to Z, people were looking at that San Francisco and New York Giants matchup as one where we didn't expect a whole lot of scoring because the teams are bad. But when you really look at those teams, what's bad about them primarily is their defenses, or are their defenses. So I saw that as a spot for you know both Eli Manning and C.J. Beathard to get stuff done, despite the fact that their offenses aren't very good. Uh, and you know Beathard delivered. He's he's probably the you know, the the actual boom of the week. The guy who, you know, put up crazy, crazy numbers relative to expectation. A uh, couple other quick shout-outs. I'll, I'll shout-out Kirk Cousins against Minnesota. He was the QB1, over 27 fantasy points. I did not expect that, but I'm going to dock him a little bit of credit because he had two rushing touchdowns. I don't think he's going to be able to do that every week. If those were just passing touchdowns instead, he loses four points. He falls behind uh, a, a number of other QBs, actually, probably. Uh, not outside of the top five necessarily, uh, unless Cam Newton or Jay Cutler go nuts in Monday Night Football. But, you know, he wouldn't have outscored Beathard if he had passed for those TDs instead of ran for them. Uh, Case Keenum at QB4 was pretty awesome, uh, 24 fantasy points just about. Uh, but again, I think Beathard was a little bit more impressive. A guy who actually probably has more merit than Beathard. If only based upon the matchup and the expectations relative to that matchup, is Deshaun Kaiser. He was on the road at the Lions. He finishes the QB five with almost 23 points. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has had trouble staying in games because of poor play. So, yeah, maybe he's the the real boom of the week. And uh, yeah, you know what? I don't have anybody to argue against me, so I can just argue against myself. I will now say that Beathard's out, Kaiser's in, boom of the week. But let's keep going. A couple other guys we want to mention here: Drew Stanton against the Seahawks. QB 16, 15 points. Again, not a fantastic performance, but a fine performance for, especially for Drew Stanton against the Seahawks. That Seahawks matchup isn't quite as imposing as it used to be. We'll talk more about that later, but uh, a nice performance from Stanton. there, better than I expected. And the last guy I want to touch on is Mitchell Trubisky uh, at home against the Packers. Finishes the QB 13. Again, all these rankings are pending Monday Night Football, but uh, 15.88 fantasy points. Uh more importantly, 35 pass attempts for Trubisky. So that's a uh that's a nice step up for him. And we're gonna springboard off of this Trubisky talk into a couple listener questions. The first comes from David Glenn at Fantasy Loser. What a handle, man. How'd you get that one? How is that not taken by everyone ever who's played Fantasy? He's rolling with Dak and Trubisky. On waivers, he's got the Arizona QBs and non-Osweiler Denver QBs available. And he's asking me to rank them in order of preference for rest of season. That's pretty tough. I think I'd go Gabbert, then Lynch, then Semyon, and then Stanton. I I just think if Gabbert gets that job in Arizona, he's probably not going to give it back to Drew Stanton. And same thing for Paxton Lynch. Uh, I have a feeling that if he takes over for Osweiler, that's going to be it for the Broncos that's their guy for the rest of the year I mean if they make the playoffs maybe that's a different story maybe they go back to Simeon or back to Osweiler if they think that he gives them or one of those guys gives them a better chance to win in the playoffs or down the stretch but I don't know this feels like a lost season for the Broncos so I don't see it Uh, we got a similar question from Zach at Braves fan and he says he owns Trubisky and he's wondering if he should drop him for Gabbert or Paxton Lynch for the rest of the season, and I no way. I mean, Trubisky is the starter in Chicago. You have no idea if Gabbert or Lynch is going to hold on to those starting gigs, so keep Trubisky. You're fine there. The QB bust of the week, our negative award. This is the quarterback who underperformed our expectations the most in Week 10, and as I mentioned before, there are a lot of candidates here. A lot of quarterbacks who we expected to do, to do well did not do well. I'm just kind of going to go down the list here, um... This is actually going to be in order of descending fantasy points. So Drew Brees at Buffalo, QB 20, about 14 fantasy points. I don't think he was the bust of the week, if only because we knew this was a bad spot for Brees. He was on the road, traveling to a cold-weather city. He's traditionally much better at home than he is on the road. I think I ranked him at QB 10, and so that's still a ways off with like from where he actually landed at the end of the week but I'm pretty sure that's the lowest I had him ranked for any week this season Uh, I was down on him so this wasn't too surprising for me to see him finish you know at the the bottom of the startable QB tier Uh, next up Dak Prescott at the Falcons finishes the QB 21 with 13.24 points I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass because his left tackle Tyron Smith didn't play in this game but I did have big, big expectations for Prescott. The Falcons were about as safe a matchup as a quarterback could get. Uh, before Week Ten, they had allowed every quarterback they faced to finish in the top twenty. Dak broke that streak. He's going to finish somewhere between QB twenty one and QB twenty three, pending the results of Monday Night Football. I really thought he'd be better, and I and I thought that the and I thought that the loss of Ezekiel Elliott might give him more volume and more potential to score points. We just didn't see that translate. Again, not an ideal situation with his left tackle out on the road, but still, I, I feel like Prescott could have been better, and I, th- and I feel like he's going to bounce back next week to some extent. More on that later. Uh, next up, as the potential bust of the week, Josh McCown at Tampa Bay, QB 22, 12.5 points just about. To be honest, I appreciate this reminder that McCown is not, you know, some elite fantasy quarterback. I, I feel like sometimes when these guys string together multiple games of good performance, that recency bias, man, it just it just infects your brain in the worst possible way. And you start to say, Oh, well, now McCown is he's just good now, and we can start him all the time. And I'd like to say enjoy the ride going forward, but the Jets upcoming schedule is pretty rough, man. After the bye they get Carolina, Kansas City, at Denver, at New Orleans, and the Chargers to close out the fantasy season. I think they face the Patriots in week 17, but that doesn't matter to most of us. That's a tough schedule. I, I know that KC has given up a lot of points and Denver isn't quite as good as they used to be against the pass, but none of these teams are pushover defenses. And if your quarterback is Josh McCown, a guy who historically has not been very good, we have to keep that in mind. I think this might actually be a good time to shop McCown if your league's trade deadline hasn't already passed. I know that for a lot of you it probably has, but McCown might be a sell at this point um, through the buy. Next up, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the other side of that matchup against the Jets, uh, QB 24 with 10.4 fantasy points. I also wrote about him in my A to Z game article last week as a player I had kind of soured on. I noted that he was my streaming candidate of the week on last week's podcast, but the more I thought about that matchup for Fitz as the week played on, the more I worried about Mike Evans not being on the field. And I think that things will be better with Mike Evans back but Fitzpatrick is still a guy who we can't fully trust. We we know that. Again, the track record matters, just like with McCown. This is something we need to be skeptical of, and it also leads me to believe that once Jameis Winston is healthy enough to play, that he's going to be right back under center, no questions asked. So I, I think that Fitzpatrick has limited value going forward. As long as he's starting, he is usable uh, because they have good weapons, their defense is okay, but I'm not necessarily looking to go out and acquire him if i'm still trading and if i have him as one of my you know locked in starters that would worry me going forward this brings us to a couple more user questions here before the official bust of the week the first is from uh, at jim caliou he notes that he has marcus mariota josh mccown and teddy bridgewater as his qbs he says can i drop fits after week 11 or do i wait until teddy plays I talked about this earlier, but I don't think there's any guarantee that Teddy plays at all in the regular season. And with that in mind, I don't think you can drop Fitzpatrick until either after Winston comes back and forces Fitz out of a role or until Bridgewater plays. And so I don't think you can just blindly do it after Week 11, assuming that Bridgewater's going to get in there. I just There's not enough indication that Case Keenum isn't going to stay starting in Minnesota going forward. Another Winston question came from Canth. He says, is Winston still roster-worthy in two QB leagues? I think I just explained that. I think he is, but I am a little worried going forward. He did note here that he owns Wilson, Wentz, Fitzpatrick, and Winston. I think with Wilson and Wentz off a of bye at this point, you're going to be starting them over the other two Tampa Bay guys pretty much every week. So in that case, I think that Fitzpatrick is droppable. But someone else is probably going to pick him up, and you need to be mindful when you drop a guy, who in your league is going to be hungry for that quarterback? Is it somebody that you're facing next week? Is it something that you plan to face in the playoffs? Do you want that to come back and bite you? Consider that stuff before you make a move like that. I, like I say, Fitzpatrick is droppable. That doesn't necessarily mean you want to drop him or that you should drop him because you know maybe you'd be dropping him for some one-week fill-in or for some speculative player who may not end up having any value. We know that Fitzpatrick has value now, and that matters. Like, that matters a lot to me. I'd rather play in the moment, week to week, and, you know, wait until we have more clarity on what's going on between him and Winston before I decided to drop him, especially if I'm going to be helping out some other QB-needy team by dropping him. All right, Fitzpatrick talk out of the way. The bust of the week is Tyrod Taylor. Against the Saints, he finishes the QB 27, didn't even crack three fantasy points, And if we discount the garbage time stats he put up against the Jets two weeks ago, this is two bad games in a row for Taylor. His schedule is sneaky tough going forward, too. There are a couple matchups that look good based upon previous performance of these defenses. Uh, This week at the Chargers, I'm not really interested in. That defense It's just been straight-up good. Uh, After that, he goes on the road at Arrowhead against Kansas City. And while Kansas City... Their defense has been a little leaky, especially against the pass. I don't know if the Bills have the types of receivers to really exploit that, and the Chiefs are notoriously dangerous at Arrowhead on defense. After that, he gets what appear to be four good matchups in a row. Uh, Home for New England, home for Indy, home for Miami, at New England. I am worried that those New England matchups are not going to be quite as favorable as they look. New England has tightened up their defense over their past three games, albeit you know against Brock Osweiler. But the other two games were against the Chargers, Phillip Rivers, and uh, Atlanta with Matt Ryan. So I think this is a situation where, given time to practice and you know coach up his guys, Bill Belichick is turning that defense around slowly but surely. By the time the Bills get to them in Week 13, and then again in Week 16. I don't know, man. I I don't trust Tyrod to perform necessarily in those spots, especially because Belichick has so much familiarity against Tyrod Taylor and against the Buffalo Bills. Now, not necessarily against his coaching staff, and Tyrod has put up good games against them in the past, so I'm not totally worried about him. But in general, this is not a schedule moving forward that has me super excited about Tyrod Taylor. I think he's fine. Always a floor play based upon rushing upside, but keep an eye on that and don't necessarily blindly throw him into your lineup each and every week going forward. He's the Week 10 bust of the week. And so that brings us to Week 11. We have four teams on by on the upcoming slate. Uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers, plus three streamable quarterbacks from the Colts, Jets, and Niners. So if we're looking for streaming candidates, and by that I mean low-end QB2 or QB3 types who we wouldn't normally always start in a 2QB league, but based upon matchup or whatever else, we are willing to start them this time around. There are a lot of options here, and some of them would require more desperation than others, but uh, let's kind of run through them here. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky against the Lions. The Lions have allowed top 13 finishes to quarterbacks in four of their past five games, including two top six performances. And as I mentioned previously, Trubisky's attempt numbers are starting to go up and they're reaching, you know, normal NFL offense levels. So he's a guy who you can consider. I think this is more of a desperation play because we've seen the Lions put up good defensive performances so far this season. I think they were probably overperforming in the beginning of the season, but against a guy like Trubisky, I think that they could be fine, you know. Next up is the guy who I think probably is my streamer of the week, and that's Blake Bortles, Uh, he's going to be on the road at Cleveland and we'll just jump into our Bortles analysis with another listener question here. This one comes from Andrew Gargono, uh, at Andrew J. Gargono. He asks five of Blake Bortles, six remaining games are against Cleveland, Arizona, Indianapolis, Houston, and San Francisco. That makes me want to start him as my QB two at least until Jameis Winston comes back, but also he's Blake Bortles help. Actually, Andrew, there's no question mark in there, so this is just a statement. Uh, but I don't know if I want to help you here. I think that Bortles is a fine play going forward. You laid it out, man. This, the schedule is nice. Cleveland, Arizona, Indy, Houston, San Francisco. I, I don't necessarily want to start him every week, but you can look at his matchups and, and the matchups for Jacksonville overall. And I think that if you f- find the ones where you know his team might have more trouble running the ball those might be the times when you can feel really comfortable starting Bortles. This week against Cleveland is a really good example. The Browns have actually been pretty good against the run and that should, you know, make Bortles throw at a higher volume, you know, it, it, because they're not necessarily going to get overwhelmed by a dose of Leonard Fournette. The Fournette's still going to be used heavily, we know that, but when the run isn't quite as effective, they might be inclined to pass it more often or at least use play action to set up good pass plays. But ultimately, I think Bortles is probably a fine option most weeks because even when Fournette is the workhorse, Bortles can still maintain some sort of a floor with his rushing production, where he's pretty above average, and with whatever passing touchdowns he backs into when defenses stack the box against Fournette. You know, we, we've seen that happen. You know, around the goal line, teams don't want to let Fournette score; they're going to force Blake Bortles to beat them, and you know, sometimes he's going to be able to do that and put up viable fantasy weeks. He's done it all season; he's going to continue to do it. I think. Uh, So he's my streamer of the week. I just like the matchup against the Browns, Uh, but there are a couple other guys we can talk about here. Harder ones to stomach, uh, starting with Joe Flacco at Green Bay. I do think that watching Latavius Murray start to look like a real NFL running back again in Week 10, it, it served to remind me that Joe Flacco hasn't necessarily been fully healthy this season. So this is strictly a matchup play at its core. You know, Trubisky just posted 15-plus fantasy points against the Packers, but I think that Flacco coming off a bye might be a little healthier, a little reinvigorated, and ready to attack this defense. I I don't think that he's a bad play this week if you just need a starter. Uh, I mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick before. He is a little dangerous, but I think we can dip back into the well here, if only because Mike Evans is coming back. The matchup is worse than last week, though. Uh, Miami is is tougher on paper against the pass than the Jets. The Dolphins have only allowed more than fourteen points to a quarterback once since week five, so they're starting to tighten up on defense to some extent. This is all without you know evidence from Miami football, so you know take all that with a grain of salt and uh, apply whatever you want to for their performance against Cam Newton and the Panthers. But I think Fitzpatrick is a is a startable guy again, you know, next week at Miami. Uh, on the flip side, Jay Cutler. Always risky. Uh, Say it with me. I will not trust Jay Cutler. I will not trust Jay Cutler. I will not trust Jay Cutler. Tampa Bay's defense is a complete enigma, though. I I think that we may see Cutler deliver one of his good games here because when it comes to this Tampa Bay defense, they either hold opposing quarterbacks to under 13 points. Uh, They did that to Mike Lennon, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and Josh McCown. Or they allow 20 plus to quarterbacks Uh, Case Keenum, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer, Tyrod Taylor. Only Drew Brees has finished a matchup against Tampa Bay with between thirteen and twenty fantasy points this year. He had about eighteen in his game uh against Tampa, so I don't know. I think this is another spot similar to Fitzpatrick. If you have Cutler, you can use him and feel fine about it. The matchup is is good enough, and you know he has the receiving talent to to do some damage there uh last up here on the viable streamers list is Case Keenum at home against the Rams. I'm hesitant to really recommend him here. I, I think that Keenum's success has been a fun story, especially for two quarterback players, but I'm pretty sure it's going to come to, come to an end here in Week 11 against Aaron Donald and the Rams' defense. Just like I talked about with McCown looking mortal uh, this past week, I think we're due for that to eventually happen with Case Keenum. I, I think that you know Mike Zimmer and the, and the coaching staff there have done a good job to make him look good, And, you know, against L.A., maybe that'll continue, but the Rams have a very good defense. They rank second in pass defense by DVOA, uh, or at least they did entering Week 10. The average weekly finish against them in fantasy is QB 18.2, and they allow only 13.55 fantasy points per game to passers. So this is not a good matchup. I think that Case Keenum is not officially a good quarterback, even though, you know, his recent performance might say otherwise and I'm not excited to use him in this spot. With that said, the track record this season is there, and you can stream him if you have him you know, without many other options. You know, A lot of people don't really have choice this time of the year, so I think he's startable, but I'm not excited to do it. Uh, a few desperation starters here, potentially the guys in Arizona, Blaine Gabbard or Drew Stanton, uh, they are going on the road to Houston, and Houston's defense has been very favorable to opposing passers. Uh, you know, bad passers like this, I'm less convinced. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Tom Savage going up against Arizona. I think Arizona's defense is probably good enough to to deal with a bad QB like Savage, but, you know, when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins out there, that changes everything. That makes you skew your defense a little bit, and if Savage can, you know, find Hopkins when he does get open, and then, you know, when Hopkins is demanding double coverage, find the open man, you know, maybe they'll find some success there. Right? Other teams have done it, so why can't Savage uh, the last guy I'll throw out there, Brock Osweiler versus Cincinnati. The Bengals are not a great matchup, but Osweiler's been okay. He's been fine, you know, as a guy who will put up a handful of points. Uh, Cincinnati's been beatable uh, over the past three weeks or four weeks. Since they're by, they've allowed 15 or more fantasy points to everybody they faced. QB 16 or higher in all four of those weeks. So while I'm never excited to use Brock Osweiler, if you're desperate, he's a guy you can reach for this week. On the other side, we've talked about our streaming options here. Who is our clipboard holder of the week? The quarterback who we would normally start but we're avoiding. Kind of a tough slate to choose that. Most of the QBs that we like have decent to good matchups, and so we're looking at guys who have more middling matchups. This time we're going to work a little backwards on the schedule here. We've got Matt Ryan going on the road Monday Night Football to face the Seahawks, and Seattle isn't the nightmare matchup they used to be. We can assume their defense is probably going to get worse after losing Richard Sherman for the season as well, but I still don't like Matt Ryan in this spot. You know, going on the road, uh, he's on the road. Seattle only allows the 26th most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. Average weekly finish against them is 19.7. So while the matchup gets better with Sherman out, the matchup wasn't good in the first place. So we're, we're only getting up to mediocre status most likely. Only one quarterback has posted a top-12 week against them all season, and that was Deshaun Watson in that crazy shootout between Houston and Seattle. So I think that Ryan is usable. He's a guy who will be considered probably a low-end QB2 for me. The Richard Sherman loss matters. I just don't know how much it matters. I think that the, the overall defense there is still good, and the, the offense there is very good. The passing offense with Russell Wilson has been just fine to the point where they could put... Atlanta in some bad game scripts, and I don't know if that bodes well for Matt Ryan, especially with Devonta Freeman unlikely to play. He's a guy who I think you can consider benching this week if your other options are better. Uh, A couple more options here, and these are ones that I believe in less before we get to the official clipboard holder of the week. Dak Prescott against the Philadelphia Eagles. He is at home, but again, Tyron Smith, the left tackle, is uncertain to play. His absence was a major problem for Dallas in Week 10. How bad will things get for Dallas against Philadelphia's quality defense. I actually expect a bit of a rebound from Dak. I think that week 10 should serve as a wake-up call to Jason Garrett and the Cowboys to kind of fix those issues along the O-line to some extent. I don't think they can make it perfect in the, you know, relative to the loss of Tyron Smith, but they can get better and only one quarterback has failed to finish top 20 against the Eagles. It was Brock Osweiler. So serviceable quarterbacks perform well enough against the Eagles week in and week out. A lot of that has to do with game script. The Eagles are always passing or at least always moving the ball to the point where you know they're going to drive the other team to score and keep up. And so I think Prescott will probably be fine here. Uh, next up, Phillip Rivers at home against Buffalo. The Bills are the NFL's fifth best team at limiting fantasy scoring to quarterbacks. Uh, just about 13 fantasy points per game allowed. And Rivers is in the concussion protocol, coming off a long game against Jacksonville's tough defense. If he plays, I'm going to be hesitant to use him here. He's probably, I mean, if he's willing to suit up, he's probably okay to use, but I'd be wary. I'm not super excited about using him in this spot. Uh, Next up, Kirk Cousins at New Orleans. Uh, The Saints just aren't a pushover on defense anymore. And as I mentioned earlier, Cousins' Week 10 score was really buoyed by two rushing scores. I think he's probably fine as well. You know this matchup isn't isn't good as as it once was, but it isn't terrible either. He could be okay, but Cousins is a player who we can consider benching based upon the strength of the New Orleans defense to this point. Uh, this brings us to another listener question. This one comes from at desired one, who writes: I have Cousins and Goff benched Cousins for Fitzpatrick this past week and will lose. Do I dare bench Goff for Fitz in Week Eleven? I don't think I could do it. Uh, I think I would probably leave Goff in there. As I noted with Fitz, his matchup against Miami is a little tougher than it might look on the surface. With Goff, though, I do have some concerns. His recent hot streak has come in consistently good matchups. Over the past three weeks, he's faced Arizona, the Giants, and Houston. None of those teams have been good against the pass this year, so it makes sense that Goff is performing well. Going on the road against Minnesota, that's a bit of a different story. Entering Week 10, the Vikings rank 13th in DVOA against the pass, 7th on defense Seventh on the defensive line in adjusted sack rate, so they do okay at dealing with passers. But fantasy-wise, this isn't a terrible matchup. Uh, Kirk Cousins just lit up the Vikings, so I'm not too worried about Goff on the road. He's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. Um, So this isn't a spot where I'm I'm looking to bench Goff because he has played well, and I don't necessarily want to steer away from that. That brings us to two more guys who I probably would lean more towards benching. Uh, The first is Tyrod Taylor. Just a bad matchup for... Buffalo down in the trenches in their offensive line. I did a blurb on streaming defenses for fantasy pros earlier today, and the team I picked for Week 11 was the Chargers. They have performed really well of late. They average about 11 standard fantasy points per game since Week 5, mostly because they're sacking the hell out of quarterbacks. They have 3.4 sacks per game in that span. And on the season, they're tied for the second-most sacks overall with 29, and the Bills have allowed the seventh-most sacks, 28. 28. So I, I really think that Tyrod could be running for his life in this game. Maybe that means he's going to rush for a ton of yards and, and totally prove me wrong, but I'm a little scared of him uh, in the matchup because the Chargers have been so good on defense, especially against the pass. But our official clipboard holder of the week is Mark Mariota at Pittsburgh on Thursday night. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. Short week, just a tough matchup, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been very good against QBs. They haven't been quite as good in their most recent two games, allowing 18 and about 15.5 fantasy points, but before that they were really smothering quarterbacks that they faced. The average QB finish against them is QB 19. Quarterbacks only score about 11.5 fantasy points per game against them on the season, and four times this year they've kept quarterbacks outside of the top 25 at the position, which is... And only one team has done better than that, and it's the Jaguars who have done it five times. A few teams are tied with four, but Pittsburgh is one of them. So this is a tough QB matchup, and all the other red flags for Mariota here are, are kind of waving in my face. And, and he, he's the guy who, if I can find you know, reasonable starters otherwise, I'm probably going to bench him. All in all, though, this is a really tough week to pick that clipboard holder of the week, and I think the way that's going to bear out is this is just going to be a really tough week to set your lineups and to rank quarterbacks. I'm not looking forward to it whatsoever. I have a feeling I'm going to make a lot of bad calls this week because so many of these guys are bunched up. You know, that middle class of QBs is already close enough in value, and when these matchups aren't necessarily overwhelming us in one direction or the other, it's going to lead to some potential mistakes from a mindset perspective, though, I think that we can take a little bit of solace in that. You know, we can look at these matchups and say, OK, they're all pretty close. I'm going to pick the guys I like the most for reasons X, Y and Z and not feel bad about that decision, because these are tough matchups to evaluate. These are tough guys to rank relative to one another. And, you know, I have my way of looking at it. You're going to have your own way of looking at it. All these other analysts are going to have their own ways of looking at it. It's you know how how the game is played and we got to look for those small advantages, small edges. Um, of course, the news as it comes out over the week is going to be a big indicator, as you know, how we kind of bump these guys around in the rankings, slide them here, slide them there. But yeah, tough week to evaluate. Keep that in mind and don't be afraid to put in a little extra work. Uh, I think it'll be helpful this week, especially if you can find some sort of matchup advantages that you like. And with that said, we are done with the week 11 preview and the week 10 recap here on the 2QB experience. I want to thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you listening to be drone on by myself. Um, hopefully you liked the solo show. I got some positive feedback for it last time. And if you like this episode or if you like the other episodes, when I do have a guest on, uh, please rate and review the podcast. That really does me a ton of help, you know, getting the word out there, spreading the podcast to new listeners. And again, I talk about this a lot when we do the show, that maybe you don't necessarily want your friends to know what you're Consuming in terms of fantasy content, where you're getting your edges, but you know, like I said, I'm going to make bad calls. Maybe those bad calls are the ones that steer your opponents wrong. So let's be be generous here and and help me out. Give us a rating and review if you have time. I'd appreciate it very much. Um, if you want to send in any questions for future episodes or for a real time answer, you can hit us up on Twitter. The site's Twitter handle is at two QBs t w o Q B s. If you have a longer form question, you can email it to us two qbs at gmail.com that's spelled the same way if you want to hit me up personally on twitter i'm at greg sauce but everything that goes to the two qbs account i can see as well be sure to come by the site check out everything we got going on i, I noted the the qb breakdowns by Derek class and those have been great but we have other good stuff from adon davenport uh, jeff dumont john proctor sean Slavin, and anthony spangler we got a qb big board we got some dfs picks at quarterback uh, superflex rankings all sorts of different stuff each and every week. Um, if you're more interested in what I'm doing on the writing side, I have a rankings article that goes up usually on Thursday mornings. I'm going to try to start getting that out a little earlier in the week uh, moving forward, but the holidays are tough, man. We'll, we'll see how that goes. And I also do a Game Botics A to Z article. This is where I run through. This is where I run through my DVOA mashup spreadsheet, looking at you know all the different. Individual matchups of passing defense versus passing offense, rushing defense versus rushing offense, uh, wide receiver ones versus certain defenses, wide receiver twos versus certain defenses for every matchup, looking for little insights and stat nuggets. And I have a, a few fun notes along the way as well, and just try to iron out a bunch of different stuff that you can try to take advantage of in fantasy, either through DFS or through your leagues. And DFS is going to be one of those things we're going to start to pay a little bit more attention to down the stretch because. You know, as you know, the season drags on, plenty of people have, you know, bad rosters, teams that didn't work out, and those teams fall out of the playoff picture. And, you know, if you still want to play fantasy, you turn to DFS. You go to the weekly format. We have to keep that in mind as we're, you know, producing content for fantasy football that, you know, here on the podcast, uh, you know, in in the written form, we need to keep up with, with DFS stuff as well. And the Gameful Botics spreadsheet and the Gameful Botics A to Z article are a really good place to find small individual matchup nuggets on certain players and you know certain teams that i I feel like can do you a lot of help i had some pretty good calls in there last week so check that out if you have time otherwise really appreciate you listening uh, as i said before and we will catch you next week on the 2qb experience adios